to the Calm Mind Confident Life podcast, where we explore how to create a more positive relationship with our mental health. I'm Natalie, and with over 15 years working as a mental health nurse and seven years running mental health trainings and retreats, this podcast is a space to provide science and professional guidance, along with more holistic approaches to mental well-being. So there'll be meditations and relaxation exercises, as well as an abundance of tips and tools from guests and myself, all aiming to provide a space to learn, understand and find more of that much needed inner peace. to another episode in the self-connections series. It's been a few weeks since we last chatted. I hope you've all had a good good few weeks. Um, I was actually at a festival last weekend called the Secret Garden Party Festival. I don't know if anyone's been. Um, it's a really great, great festival in the UK. And uh, I had this kind of thought I guess um about connection um and was thinking about this podcast and the things that we're talking about at the moment and it was really interesting because I think a festival is a really great place to evidence that idea of the importance of connection um connection with ourselves but also connection with others Because you've got this hugely diverse group of people that are all coming together, mostly over their connection of music. And it's really rare that you would see such a, yeah, a hugely diverse group of people in a space, all just kind of loving and happy. Um, You know, this particular festival, it was pouring with rain. Um, for the for the few days that we were there, um, but everyone was just in such good spirits, and yeah, I was just thinking it's just that's so important that people, in terms of our happiness, of of that idea of having something to connect over, you know, that when we have something that bonds us, that connects us, all the kind of differences just fade away for a moment, don't they? And you have it with just in general conversations with people. You know, you can have two people with polar opposite views on things, but then they have one this one thing that they connect over. And for a moment in time, there's this bond, this connection. And of course, tying into the last episode that we did around connection with others and how that impacts our connection with ourselves. And it was interesting because obviously, you know, at this festival for, for three days, People are just having this moment of being able to be themselves, really, you know, letting loose. I mean, at this particular festival, it's um, a fancy dress festival, so everyone has a theme. And people are dressing, you know, absolutely bizarre, crazy stuff, but it's amazing to see. And it's all okay, it's all accepted. It's just this moment in time where people are. I suppose given permission and a safe space, safe-ish, um, to, to really feel they feel who they want to be in that moment, you know, be who they want to be in that moment. 
and what that does, how that really allows us to then connect deeply with ourselves without that judgment, you know, because I think judgment is something that really prevents us from connecting with ourselves. So this episode that we're talking about today, this topic we're talking about today, um, is a huge subject and that is the connection that we have with our bodies. And I want to say first that when I say the connection with our bodies, of course, our bodies and mind are are one of the same. Um, I think in the West, we have this idea that they're two separate things. And it's really important to acknowledge that our bodies, how our bodies feel impacts our mind and vice versa. And you can't just work with one in isolation. And so although we're talking about the connection with our bodies, that of course means that however our body is feeling, whatever connection we have with our body, it is also going to be the connection with our mind as well. Um, So just a little kind of thought to hold on to there as we're having this discussion. And then lastly, I wanted to also highlight the point that it's really important when we're approaching these conversations that are so, so unique and individual to a person's lived experience that we recognise the the worst thing we can do is judge and there is no right or wrong here. Everybody, everybody is working their way through these these difficulties, these challenges that humans face based on their own experiences and their experiences shape the way that they view the world and what they then do and how they then behave, how we we then behave. And so it's just really important to hold this in our minds, I think, when we're thinking about talking about our bodies, how we look, how we feel, because it's so damaging to assume that how we feel, how we look, how we believe we need to look is how someone else might feel. And that that also applies, of course, to yourself. Thinking about, you know, how you judge yourself on where you feel you should be, how you feel your body should look, how you feel your face should look. Because however you are right now, it is based on your own experiences that have led you to the point that you are now. And all of that is okay. All of that is has is the way it was, is the way it is. And there's nothing that you have done right or wrong in this. It is just the way it is. And I just think that we need to remove that judgment. That is probably the biggest the biggest, most important thing to find in connection with our, our bodies is removing, removing that criticism and judgment. But obviously that is a lot easier said than done. So um, something for us to, to think on together um, as, we, as we move through this conversation. 
So where to start with this, with this topic? I guess the first thing is when we think about the world as it is, there are so many ways in which we can feel disconnected from our bodies. And there's so many um, tools that help us, aid us in that disconnection. And primarily, I'm talking here about phones and social media. Um, this, it, it, it fills me... Before I had a child, <laughs> I used to um, very much see it from the perspective of obviously working in mental health and um, I guess a little bit of a step away from it. I didn't, I, it didn't feel so emotionally close for me. Uh, however, now having a child and, and specifically a, a daughter, although um, you know, it impacts everybody, but um, I just, the, the phone and social media um, and how much of a disconnection it can cause from our own bodies is scary. But then I think about young children and how it is creating a disconnection for them. And it it fills me with dread, if I'm honest, um, of, of what my daughter is um, is going to be exposed to, uh, I suppose. And I, I suppose, I suppose, you know, for, for me as, as a mental health professional, um, I work in the crisis element, acute mental health crisis side of, of the mental health services. And so I am seeing young people at the extreme end of things. And when I say the extreme end, that is, you know, um, seri- where, where eating disorder has become so serious that they've had to be hospitalised. So... That is, I recognise that is one end of of the spectrum. And then at the other side of it, you have just your day-to-day normal self-critical thoughts around what you feel you need to do to edit your your body, your image, your face, etc. And uh, that is something I'm, I'm pretty much sure everybody has experienced um, that that end of it wake up in the morning you look at yourself in the mirror and you you're instantly drawn to the bits of you that you could change or you want to change and yeah those edits that we we can make and unfortunately it is even more normalized now by the accessibility of aesthetics um, injectable aesthetics or, or any aesthetics really um you know because it's it's so easy now that we for us to be able to edit ourselves just the click of a button and we can we can book an appointment we can um we can you know go go and do whatever whatever treatment we need to do to to change ourselves so it's very easy now to look at yourself in the mirror and notice these things and of course because so many people are editing themselves it almost puts more pressure on on those that aren't <laughs> um in in some ways you know because all it, it feels like the balance is almost tipping to where it's abnormal to not edit yourself 
And if it becomes normalised that we need to edit ourselves in order to feel connected to our society and our social groups, then we there's this real paradoxical effect, isn't there? Paradoxical effect of where we're feeling like we need to almost disconnect from who we are in order to connect with our social groups. We need to make ourselves look the same as everybody else, but in turn change ourselves and so lose that that relationship or damage that relationship with ourselves. And it feels feels really hard it feels really hard to understand why that's happening also be aware that it is happening you know I'm part of part of this cycle I'm in in this um in this world and I I very much feel feel that pressure too and it feels yeah it feels hard to get out of that trap doesn't it um And what I find interesting as well is that the idea of um, cosmetics and uh, non-surgical procedures, so what we call obviously aesthetics, the the word aesthetics in terms of where it comes from, philosophically (laughs) speaking, it comes from the study of beauty and art and I just feel that isn't that all about uniqueness? Isn't the beauty of art and what we find pleasing to the eye so unique and individual? So this idea that that word has now been taken and is being used to say that beauty is looking the same, do these things and then you'll look the same and then you'll be beautiful. Again, just a really bizarre concept that that word is being used and yet it doesn't does it mean that? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know what other people's, how other people would f- feel about that. And of course, there's that really similar word, which is anesthetics. And that is to be injected with something to numb you, to create a barrier to pain. And when I think of these two, these two things, It feels like the accessibility to all of these ways we can now alter and edit ourselves is a lot closer to anaesthetics than aesthetics, you know, because it's because what we're in essence doing is we're editing away the experiences we've had. And when you're editing something away, you can't just edit away the, the negative things. You're editing away it all. There's a quote that says this really well, I think, and that is that your face is marked with lines of life put there by love and laughter, suffering and tears. It's beautiful. 
And I think that says it really well because what we're doing is we're editing away the the love, the laughter, the joy, the suffering, all of which makes us human. And surely that is what makes us beautiful. That is the study of beauty, the experiences that we have had that we can see on our evidence through our body that our body holds for us Um, and surely we need to be respecting that connecting with it and I and I I think that the psychological consequences of editing ourselves are very much dismissed and overlooked um and I'm not just talking, you know, the extreme end of of um, editing ourselves um, and and changing our bodies in some way. Uh, I, I'm talking about just the day to day little things that we we might do to change ourselves. Um, that I think is really overlooked, and uh, I'm I myself overlook it when I do it you know um maybe when I uh, you know dye away my my gray hairs um or put some concealer under my eyes um because I don't like you know the dark dark rings that are showing how tired I am or or whatever it is you know it, it doesn't need to be big acts it can be small acts and there can be a psychological consequence to that which is a disconnection, um, in essence. It is a disconnection because we're not accepting something about ourselves. We're pushing something away. And when we push something away, we're saying, I don't want this part of me. This part of me isn't good enough. And in turn, that part of our bodies, it's, it's feeling unwelcomed, disrespected, and like I said at the beginning, the body just sends signals to the mind, how the body feels, the mind feels, how the mind feels, the body feels. And so when that part of our body is feeling that way, our mind is too. We are. We are feeling disrespected. We are disrespecting ourselves. Um, now, I'm not saying that, you know, we should stop doing all of these things. Of course, you know, it's good. It makes us feel good sometimes, doesn't it, to... Um, put on makeup or, or do whatever or, or even you know some people I know I've spoken to friends who um, have had Botox and you know there's been things about themselves that they've that have actually meant that they feel so self-conscious that they're probably feeling quite disconnected from the world or you know not wanting to go out as much and that actually the ability to um get rid of that one thing that's causing them causing them the um the anxiety has actually helped them feel more confident and therefore able to connect more with other people with themselves and things like this so um as with everything it's not just a there's this or there's this i think we can have many many pros and cons going on at the same time and it doesn't mean there's a there's a definite right and there's a definite wrong but what i do feel strongly is that we need to be more aware of those 
this, the, the little eating away and chipping away we're doing every time we edit ourselves. That is a uh, natural consequence of doing that. Um, I, it, it's just really, it's really evidenced, evident in uh, what we're seeing now with young girls um, who are doing lots of editing of images on social media and um, putting in lots of makeup and sculpting their faces and things like that. We're really, really seeing the consequences of people doing that to the point where these girls are feeling that they... If they don't have those things, if they don't do those things, then they they can't um, be present in the world, um, and that is really scary. And I was saying to my friend the other day, we were talking about this, and uh, she um, she's had Botox and things like this, and um, you know, uh, beautiful my, one of my beautiful friends. And um, she and we were talking about you know the the idea of of that that responsibility as well that we have as adults, um, and how we we have to hold that responsibility of of demonstrating to the younger generations coming through that we're good enough. You know, we're, we're, we're good enough the way we are. Um, we are more than good enough. We are amazing and that our uniqueness is something to celebrate. Um, we want to hold on to that. Like I think most people want to role model that to the younger generations. But how will we hold that whilst also being humans that also have pressures on ourselves that also are being told all the time via social media, via um, you know advertisements, um, via film, just so many forums that are, where we're being told something that we we need to change ourselves to be good enough, um, and specifically the way you can change yourself is by changing your body or changing your face. Um, so it's just really difficult. It's really difficult for us to hold, and I'm not saying that there's there's any there's any answer there. But something I have come to a lot, um, or has helped me a lot in this process, and has helped, I know many other people um, that I have uh, that have worked with me um, and, and attends my attend my classes and things like this. Uh, uh, you know, a common theme that comes out of this is it's yin yoga and yin yoga if no one has practiced it before it's um a practice of remaining still for a long period of time in a uncomfortable position <laughs> making it sound really desirable right now um uh, so for example but all, all of it is on the floor um lying down or seated and you're holding a pose for a really long time, so a yoga pose, um, in to try and open up the muscle as much as possible. And 
there's three principles of yin yoga and these are time so the length of time that you stay in something depth so really allowing yourself to get yourself to get deep into the experience and stillness so not distracting yourself with movement just remaining still and I really feel that this is a practice that can be brought into um, day-to-day life, you know, brought off the mat, so to speak. And when we, when I talk about this in in uh, my yin classes, what we're doing is we're we're holding in something very uncomfortable, with the idea that the longer the longer you hold it and just sit with it the less it is an issue. Um, That actually acceptance is the key to everything. (laughs) Um, And the more that you accept and welcome in the feelings, the experiences, the sensation, the less power that they have over you. When we're thinking about those negative feelings that we might have in our body. If we can, instead of thinking, pushing it away and distracting ourselves and not accepting something um, and trying to almost kind of take a bit of us away um, and put it somewhere else, instead of doing that, which instantly creates this disconnect from a portion of our own selves instead of doing that what we're doing is acknowledging that we are experiencing something a bit difficult right now we have a negative thought and we just take a moment to sit with that accept it let ourselves be still with it and when when you do that there's this thing that happens where initially this is what often happens in yin initially you your body goes into a bit of fight or flight because mostly we're in the sympathetic nervous system and that is this this fight or flight response so Initially, you're still you're still in that sympathetic nervous system, but when you settle for a moment and allow everything to still in the body, the nervous system to still. After a little bit of time, the sympathetic nervous system starts to give up, and it allows room for the parasympathetic nervous system to kick in, and this is your rest or rest and digest um, nervous system. And this helps you calm and brings you into a more composed state where actually the tension in your system starts to dissipate and everything just feels a little better. (laughs) Um, And rather than reacting to something, you can just sit with it and be still with it and really delve deep on what's going on. And it feels like you're forming a much, much better 
understanding of your own body responses, your own thought process, your own cognitions. And so in essence, just really starting to um, create this, this improved foundation layer of a relationship with yourself. So it's a really good, good practice. I mean, yin yoga itself is just a really, really good practice. I would recommend it to anyone um, to do. And uh, I actually, a little bit of a kind of plug, I suppose, but um, it, I do a, um, an online, a free online uh, yin yoga class most Sunday evenings if you're in the UK. Um, anyone can access it because it's on Insight Timer. Um, I'll share that in the show notes, but uh, yeah, this um, download Insight Timer, and you can join join the class whenever whenever I put it on. And as I said, it, it's free. But also, just that practice of of practicing those three principles of Yin Yoga with actually without doing necessarily the the yoga component, you know, sitting with something sitting with an uncomfortable something, um, being still with it and seeing what happens, just allowing yourself to explore that thought, that emotion, that feeling, that sensation without pushing it away, without trying to instantly go to a place where we're we're disconnecting from it. Instead, always thinking, how can I connect more to this? How can I connect more to this feeling, this thought, this emotion that I'm having? You have to do this at the right time, of course. You know, like I said at the beginning, sometimes that can be way too traumatic to do. Um, so acknowledging when the right time is to do that. Sometimes if you sit with something that feels way too big to sit with at the wrong time, then it can um, cause you to, yeah, it can, it can be quite detrimental. So um, just holding that in your mind, being aware, and you know, part of this idea of connection with yourself is really having an awareness of when when the right time is to be taking action on something, when actually there is a time for distraction, you know. Maybe there's times when you notice that you're having a negative thought about your body, your face, something like that. Um, and sitting with that is just way too big a thing, way, way, way too big a thing. Then, then distraction does have its place. Um, but when you're ready, when you recognise that, okay, this you feel a little bit more safe to do a little bit more exploration, then that would be the time. And in Yin Yoga, another thing that we talk about is uh, this this edge, um, which is related to the depth part um, of the print the, the, those principles and. The edge is this place where you meet resistance. So in yin, we're mostly talking about the body and we're meeting resistance with um, a muscle where we've tried to open it as much as we can and then the muscle's saying, nope, I'm not going any further. You can't go any deeper now. 
And we try to push past that point by releasing and surrendering a little bit more into the feeling, into the muscle, by letting go. And sometimes you really have reached your edge, you've reached your point, but sometimes there is still a little bit more room to go. And the way we can apply this in this context of what we're talking about is when you are maybe sitting with an uncomfortable thought that you're having about about yourself, perhaps you might not have gone far enough with it. So you might think, okay, I've sat with it. Yeah, yeah, okay, this is the point. You know, I I understand I'm feeling this way. I know why I'm feeling this way. Um, yeah, I've definitely, I've achieved the depth I need to with this thought. Now let's let's get on with the day. Let's go on to the next thing. I would say if you're if you're not reaching that point where it feels like you can feel this real resistance there, um, then you probably need to go a little bit further, need to sit with it a little bit longer. And that might be that you've got, you know, a timer on and you've you've noticed that you've got this this thought that keeps coming up about yourself, a negative thought, and that you actually set a timer on on your watch or your phone or something. Um, five, 10 minutes, whatever it is, and you just give yourself an opportunity to sit with it. It might be that you actually journal about it. So you do this um, thing called, which I've talked about quite a lot on the podcast, but stream of consciousness journaling. We do it on the retreats as well. Um, and this is where you, um, usually you it can just be just open, just let yourself, um, you know, write whatever you, it happens, whatever flows out of the pen. But um, on this, in this case, you can actually specifically think about it on, on a certain thought. So you're drilling down on that thought. So, you know, I'm too fat. And then you can write that down and then keep just writing about it. Write, 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 write and expose yourself to it all the time. And in fact, the expo- prolonged exposure therapy is something that we use in mental health sometimes when when dealing with um, PTSD symptoms um, and uh, yeah tra- trauma related s- symptoms um, and phobias it's also used with but in recent years it's also been used with body image disturbances um, so one form is it's called mirror exposure therapy me and yeah it's used to treat people with these with these disturbances um, around how they they view their bodies and there's three three ways that you can do this um one is you stand in front of the mirror and you just describe what you're seeing um, and you can do this with your clothes on, your clothes off, just depends on where you're at again. Again, always just assessing that safety thing, you know, how safe do you feel doing this? Um, and then, um, yeah, so that's the first, the first stage is um, doing it just like describing what you're saying, just with no judgment, you know, oh, I see a face, I see a face with freckles. So not using any words that are um, emotionally triggering just more descriptive words of what you're you're seeing um facts i suppose um the next the another stage is where you're identifying the the, the more harmful feelings 
Um, so you're you're saying those to yourself in the mirror, and this can be quite um, powerful because you're seeing those words being reflected back to you. And then the third stage is the positive focus stage. So where you're focusing on the positives, basically, of your body and your face. And so it might be that, you know, you're often we're automatically drawn, like I said, you know, I'm drawn to um, the dark rings under my eyes, for example. And um, so we're often drawn to the, the negative, the things that we view negatively about ourselves. So this is noticing that happening and then drawing straight away, drawing it to something more positive, reframing it maybe, um, or just, yeah, just going, going to that, that positive, like, um, my, my focus might go to those dark rings and then I look up and I see my eyes and, um, you know, they're bright and they're, they're green, blue, whatever the color they are. (laughs) Um, and they look happy, you know, so doing it kind of like that, um, and it, yeah, it has, they've, it's had a really, really amazing um, evidence of its, its positive impact it can have for those that are having those, um, those difficulties with their own um, body image. I think about often, now that I have a toddler, um, how she views me and how she views herself. And it's it's I'm in awe of it (laughs) um she you know she is so connected to everything that she's feeling and that she's seeing that she sees in other people there is no you know she accepts me in entirety and she accepts herself in entirety and I really think there's something to learn from from that I really think that um, there's some unlearning that we as adults uh, need to do so I think we're going to leave it on that note Um, this is a really big topic and I feel like I am drawn to the idea of doing a part two on this Uh, so yeah we'll, we'll come back and talk some more In the meantime, I would like to leave you with a little bit of a a little bit of an exercise maybe to to experiment with. And that is that that mirror work. um, So that that mirror exposure therapy. Now, obviously, um, like I'd mentioned with that caveat, you know, if you're not feeling in a safe place um, to do this, then, then please don't. But if you feel able to, this is. I suppose a, t- a tamer version, maybe, of the the mirror exposure therapy, um, and and it's called mirror work, and it's where you sit in front of the mirror for you know a few minutes each day, um, but set yourself, you know, be clear with yourself. So if it's going to be three minutes, I'm going to stand in front of the mirror and I'm just going to look at myself. Then that's great. Um, and then as you're doing this. Initially, you might want to just do it in silence, just scanning your body, looking at your body and noticing how it's feeling and just being present with it. Just being still and present with your body as you look at it and how it feels to be in that body. And then if after a few times of doing this, you would like to 
um, take it up a notch, um, then you could start to introduce some affirmations. And these affirmations are to simply affirm yourself for the wonderful being that you are, the wonderful, unique being that you are. Um, And they can be anything. Always starting with uh, I and it being, you know, something that you are doing. So not something you hope to do, but something you are doing as if you are doing it right now. So I welcome myself. I respect myself. Or it could be I belong in this world. Or I see and appreciate every part of myself. Or I am grateful for my whole body. Or even I I love all of me. Whatever it is, it it can be any of those, or you can you know choose some, or just letting whatever comes up come come up as as you're doing it. But again, just practicing this with everything that you practice, it takes um, commitment. So if you try it once or twice. Like I said, like the yin yoga, initially you'll probably feel uncomfortable doing it. That's the natural way, the the natural kind of um, journey the mind takes. We start to try and push it away um, and tell ourselves we don't need to do it. But try to push past that uncomfortable sensation. Try to sit with it and just keep going with it. Give yourself time um, and then see where you are in a few weeks' time when we, when we rejoin for the next episode. Thank you as always for listening to the podcast if you're liking what you're hearing please do leave a review on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts in the meantime if you're interested in delving a little bit deeper into this topic on self-connection we're really excited to be announcing our next retreat and this is going to be in november in devon barnstable This will be over a long weekend, there'll be about 15 guests and we'll be doing lots of yin yoga, walks in the beautiful nature there, nourishing vegetarian food, saunas, massages and just a great space to be thinking more about how we can connect back to ourselves.